0: Uh, for those of you that are just kind of joining us, we are right in the middle of a series entitled Supernatural. Uh, and we are exploring and recognizing that there is more going on than what we see. More going on than what we, what we see. And kind of our, our theme verse has been Ephesians chapter 6 uh, in verse 10 through 12. I, I want to read it to you uh, real, real quick this morning. It says, This is finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against principalities or the things that we see, but it is against the rulers. It is against the authorities. It is against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of the evil in heavenly realms. Paul is writing and he's helping us understand that there really is more going on than what we see. Today, I want to bring a message entitled, Set Free. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell him, Set Free. Turn to your other neighbor that was your second choice and tell him God wants to set you free. (laughs) Quick question uh, for everybody here today. uh, How many of you have ever had something stuck in your teeth before? And you didn't know it. It was hidden. You didn't know it was stuck in your teeth. Uh ever see somebody have something embarrassing. Maybe their their shirt was misbuttoned. Their fly was undone. Don't worry. I double check that every time I get on stage because nothing terrifies me more than being embarrassed in such ways. It's a little bit awkward, though, when you see something uh, misplaced something that doesn't belong in somebody else. It's a little bit of a different awkward conversation, isn't it? A little bit. they walking out and they've got this trail of white that's dragging on their foot. You know what I'm saying? It's just a little bit... Awkward to point out, but but I, I need to know where the where the good friends are at. People who love Jesus and love others truly. From your, how many of you are the type of person you're going to let somebody know they got something in their teeth? These are the people you want to be friends with, right here. These are the people that really truly love you. You know, as a general rule, we don't like having those awkward conversations where we have to point out, "Hey, this is kind of not." Hey, did you know? Just maybe. We don't like having those kinds of conversations that, that, that might put someone on the defensive automatically or make them feel a little bit of shame or they might feel a little bit embarrassed. No, that's not really a good thing. Nobody likes the grammar Nazi on Facebook. Stop it. It's Facebook. I realize commas are important, but stop. We don't like the people that are always correcting grammar. And that's probably, uh, I have an affinity for that because I'm one who constantly needs my grammar corrected. Makes you feel subconscious, self-conscious, and you just don't like it. The reality is when you have a conversation where you point out something in somebody else's life, or you have those kind of conversations, it can feel a little confrontational. And sometimes it it feels a little awkward, and we don't like that feeling of being like we need to be defensive. when And we do that. We have a tendency to get defensive when we are confronted with the reality that we don't like, that we don't understand maybe, or that makes us even feel a little bit like we failed. We don't like those kinds of conversations. Like, like maybe we're responsible for something that we really wish we weren't responsible for. So we just kind of distance ourselves from those kinds of conversations. And, and as uh, spiritual people, we have a great, uh, reason for them most of the time. Like we rationalize and we spiritualize and we justify. And whether you're a believer or not, you, you do the same thing. You just justify, you diminish, you downplay, you try and sidestep those kinds of topics and things that maybe you have to confront with your own actions and we don't like it. And so we justify and we sidestep and we rationalize and, and, we, and we say things like, well, it's just my personality. That's just, it's just how I am. We say things like, "Ah, oh, well, it's, it's just that time of year again. My family just keeps getting sick again. I mean, I don't know why. Everybody's sick all the time. We say things like, well, it's just, just in my DNA. I got bad genes. If it wasn't for my parents' ex or my parents that did such and such, or I can't help it. Listen, it's not really about our genes, uh, except for male pattern baldness, hairiness, and your height. You probably can't deal and blame a lot of your life on genes, right? It just probably isn't the case. We say things like, well, it's just my cross to bear. This is my thorn in the flesh. For those of you that are spiritually minded, you would say. It. Some of us, we say things like, that's not that big of a deal. It's really not that big of a deal. It's really harmless. I mean, it doesn't really matter if my kids watch that. It's not that big of a deal. And we say things like, well, it's just this one time. I I don't normally act that way. I don't normally react that way. I don't don't normally think that way. It's just this one time. I promise I'll never, ever do it again. And we just go on and on and on. And And we say things like, well, life is just so hard right now. I'm going through a really difficult time. Thus, the multiple prescriptions for antidepressants and anxiety. And the list could go on and on and on of ways that we rationalize, sidestep, justify, self-medicate, cope with, and we do all of these things because we feel like there's, it's just happening to us. But, but what if those external things that are affecting us aren't caused by external things, but rather something going on on the inside. What if what is happening in what we see in our lives is happening because there is something yet unseen? See, we wrestle with things like bitterness, anger, gluttony, despair, lust, sexual addictions, unforgiveness, depression, jealousy, alcoholism, gossip, greed, poverty, or even our foul mouth. And all of those external things we want to rationalize and we have a reason why. But what if the reason why isn't really why? What if there's more going on in your life and in your realm of living than what you can see? I want to talk to you today about how you can be set free from the power of the enemy that goes unseen for most of your life. Jesus came to set you and me free. If you've tried to overcome something with your own willpower, but you're still trapped, you need to be set free. If you've repented so many times again, and I'll never do it again, but you still fall prey to that habit, that mindset, you need to be set free. If, if you found yourself where shame has kept you silent, and you hide things in your life from other people, and you don't want to be honest about who you are, and you don't want to tell anybody, and shame keeps you silent, you can be set free. If you find yourself blaming your genetics, or your upbringing, or your past, you need to be set free. If if you find yourself in a place where you've never felt loved or comfortable in being in your own skin, you need to be set free. If anxiety and depression and things have constantly plagued you in your mind and in your heart, and there's an incessant sense of loneliness that gets you down into the dumps, you can be set free. There is more going on than what you can see. And Jesus wants us to be set free. But if we're going to be set free, there's something we've got to be aware of first we need to first be aware of Satan's schemes. Satan is scheming to destroy your life. Well, I don't know if I believe in Satan. Well, he believes in you. So much so that he's doing everything that he can to destroy your life and your future. If he can get you to settle so you don't pursue God's best and you just settle for eh in your life, he's happy. He's happy. If you can just self-medicate something again and again and again, oh, he's happy. If he can hold you back from, from reaching out to other people and sharing your story and proclaiming who Jesus is, if he can keep you from pointing other people to Jesus, oh, he's perfectly happy. He's perfectly happy to keep you medicated, addicted, and sitting in church week after week. He's perfectly okay with that. The enemy is scheming to get you and to get me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says it like this. In order that Satan might not outwit us, which means that Satan has the ability to outwit us. He's a pretty smart fella, right? He knows what's going down and he knows how to go at you. In order that we might not have Satan outwit us, we need to not be unaware of his schemes of the enemy's plans and plots to destroy our lives. Now, here's the deal. I know some of you are starting to think about this and you're starting, your mind is starting to race. You're like, wait a second, wait a second. I thought I said yes to Jesus and I'm on God's team and I can't lose. You're right. When you said yes to Jesus, you eternally cannot lose. When you said yes to Jesus, he comes, he washes you clean. You start following after him. He sets you free. He he puts a, 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 the gives you the authority that he himself has. And he says, the devil can't keep you from heaven any longer, but he can keep you bound experiencing hell while you're on this earth. His scheme is to get you to experience less than God's best in every area of your life. If he can keep you trapped, if he can keep you bound, he will do it. And here's the deal. Satan cannot defeat a believer until he first disarms the believer. Satan doesn't come knocking at your door dressed in a red cape, pointy ears, and a pitchfork saying, hi, I'm the devil. Can I come in? Really, It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. In fact, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 says this, And no wonder, because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He comes disguised as something good in your life. He come disguised as something that will help ease the pain. He comes disguised in a comforting, counseling voice. Yes, absolutely. You deserve that. I can't believe they did that. Why would they ever say that about, oh, you deserve better than that. Oh, don't do, don't, don't, don't listen to that. Why don't you try? This will be missed. It'll make you feel so much better. And he comes disguised, masquerading, pretending, to speak to you in a truthful way. Listen, I can't get into this building without first disarming the alarm system. I have the power. I have the authority to set this building in a way that creates an alarm so you can't get in. But I also have the authority. I also have the power to disarm it. And there are many Christ followers, people who show up nicely dressed every Sunday, people who show up poorly dressed every Sunday, people who show up every Sunday who have disarmed areas of their heart and life and they have no idea. Why they're being so persecuted, why the enemy is so much attacking, why this continually happens in their life, why they can't get victory over this feeling shame because of this addiction or feeling this. And all it is is because you have disarmed the alarm system in your life and you have now given the enemy access. You've unlocked the door, you left it open and you've left it unguarded. The good news is you have the authority to set the code, lock the door and kick him out. Right? Like, like it's not the end of the world, but it is if we don't recognize that Satan is trying to disarm us. L- let me walk you through the enemy schemes. Let me give you three things today. And uh, then here at the end, we're going to take some time and we're going to pray. And I will lead anyone, hopefully everyone, into a prayer of, of asking Jesus to set us free. And I believe that today... Those of you that have been bound, those of you that feel uh, just slave to a sin, those of you that have been trying to overcome some some mental things in your mind, those of you that have just feel weighted and down and frustrated, and you've been sick again and again and again, I'm going to lead us in a prayer today, and I'm going to pray over you, and I'm believing that Jesus will set you free. But let me walk you through some things this morning so that we can no longer be ignorant and unaware to what the devil's been trying to do in our lives. Is that all right? Can can we walk this through for just a minute? Here's number one. I want you to understand the devil's schemes, the enemy's schemes. Pain, hurt, failure, confusion, disappointment in life, trauma that happens to you in life, tragedy, The death and loss of a loved one, all of those are Satan's timing. That's when he shows up the most in our lives. That's when he comes Not That's the opportunity that he's looking for. When you walk through an abusive situation, he's going to show up masquerading as something light. So you let him in. When you experience deep hurt and pain and loss in your life, he's going to show up. When you lost the job, when you lost uh, maybe a child, when uh, you made a wrong decision, when you broke the trust of of somebody else in a relationship, when uh, you went and flew off the handle and yelled at your kids, it's in those moments that the enemy comes knocking. That's the timing that he's looking for. That's the opportune time. And so the times when we often are on our least guarded when we're hurting, when we're walking through loss, when we're dealing with pain and anguish, all of those moments in our lives, when we feel confused, when we just got disappointed. You tried for the job, you didn't get the job. You asked her out on the date, she told you no. When you studied really hard for the test and the test didn't go the way you thought it would. When we're in moments when we're confused, when we're disoriented, when life hits us from all sides, that is the enemy's timing. When we're vulnerable and he knows it, that's when he comes. That's when he came to Jesus to try and trap Jesus. We read it in Luke chapter 4. If you've got a copy of Scripture, I'd love for you to look at this with me. Luke chapter 4, we're going we're gonna to read about 13 verses here. and And I want you to see how the enemy tried to gain access into the life of Jesus. How he came knocking and trying to to get Jesus to open the door and give away some things that Jesus knew were his. Where the enemy came knocking at the door in Jesus' life. Luke Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about why it's important for you, who also, like Jesus, was full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about it. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was very hungry. Come on, how many of you can relate? Jesus was fully man, right? He was sitting there, it's 40 days, yo, I'm hungry. Right? Like, come on, where's my sandwich? Let's figure this out. 40 days, no food. He's hungry. I would be hungry too. And it's at the end of this time, this period of time, that the devil says to him, Hey, if, if, if you are the son of God, I mean, if you really think that you are who you are. And the first thing you'll notice that the enemy does is he tries to throw shade on the word of God and the truth of who Jesus is. The same thing the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to throw shade on you as a believer so that you don't think you are who God says you are. You're supposed to recognize that you're the righteousness of God and untouchable, but we settle for the fact that we've screwed some things up in our lives. So therefore, well, I got to deal with what I got to deal with. He just throws shade on the word of God and who, who you are. And Jesus replies, it is written, man shall not live by bread Alone. The enemy's sitting right there saying, Hey, you're hungry. You deserve this. I mean, if God was a loving God, why would he make you go hungry? That doesn't sound like God. You deserve this, man. Take a little bread. You got the power, anyways. Why don't you just get some bread? Just stones to bread. Come on, you can do it. Unless you can't do it. <laughs> But, and the first thing he does, Jesus, when tempted, when the enemy comes knocking, he uses the word of God to fortify his security and who he is. But the enemy, he doesn't give up because he's relentless like that. And the devil led him up onto a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, Satan's talking. I will give you. All of their authority and the splendor. Side note for those of you Bible geeks and you've been studying the Bible for a little while, let me give you a little insight into this. Satan actually had complete ownership and rulership of the earth. He could go anywhere on the earth that he wanted, do anything. The authority was his. Why? Because Adam and Eve gave him permission. God created Adam and Eve in the very beginning of the garden and says you have dominion and authority over all of this creation. And then when they ate of sin and made a decision to let sin in, pride in, distrust in, and they fell for the enemy's tactics, they gave over the authority and said, here you go, you can have it. I'm hungry for some apple. And at that moment, Satan became the ruler over the realms in our earth. But when Jesus died on the cross, he went down to hell kicked the devil's teeth in, took the keys back and said, Nuh-uh, sucker! I got the power! Okay, sorry. And he took back all of that authority. But at this moment in time, who was the ruler of the world? Satan is. And he's offering Jesus a shortcut. Check it out. Hey, 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 hey. I know what you came here to do was to get the authority back. I got a shortcut. Oh, I'll give it to you. All you have to do, the enemy says, is worship me and it's all yours. Friends, the enemy is trying to get you to worship the wrong things all the time. And when you start to worship and adore and get affectionate for and get consumed with and and, and your thoughts go in this direction, when you start worshiping the wrong thing, he's got you trapped. And he was waiting and he was giving Jesus the easy way out. You don't have to go die. You don't have to die on the cross. Just worship me and I'll give you what you need. But it was a lie. And Jesus goes on to say, it is written, worship the Lord, your God only and serve him alone. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he told Jesus this, Hey, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself off. I mean, experience a little fun. Live a little, Jesus. It will be exhilarating. Give it a shot. Jump off. And won't the angels come to your rescue? I mean, didn't God say in Psalms 91, in David's Psalm, that that he will give his angels charge over you to protect you and to help you? I mean, won't he do that for you? And Jesus said... Don't you put the Lord your God to the test. Don't do it. And he used again the word of God to fortify his stance and who he was. Check this out verse 13. Then the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. An opportune time. He left until there was a better time to come and do it and try it all over again. Listen, the enemy has schemes and he's got some timing down. He's looking for those weak moments in your life, but he has some tools. What are the enemy's tools? His tools, lies, fear, and pride. Lies, fear, and pride. Lies. I mean, if God really say this, I mean, can you really trust God? Lies, lies, lies. He can't help but lie. It might sound like a truth, but it's just to trap you because it's a lie. He uses fear. Hey, just jump down. Try it. Exhilarate. It'd be fun. If God loves you, won't he catch you? Just try it. Can't you trust God? Trying to get Jesus to live in fear. Open the door up. Oh, come on. Just worship me and I'll give you everything. You, you can be a ruler with me. Worship is really about creating pride. See, because when we worship the wrong things, pride is what shows up in our life. Some of us are worshiping our career and we're really proud about all that we've accomplished, but we're walking bound because we're in pride. You have an opinion politically about something and you're worshiping your ideology about politics and what's best for our country and you're bowing down to that and it's created pride in your life and you have no idea. And Satan is perfectly okay because you're worshiping the wrong thing and pride is the result of your life and God resists the proud. In other words, you create an opportunity for the enemy to wreak havoc in your life, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your jobs and we have to live aware of the enemy's schemes. Here's the third thing. Not only does he have timing, not only does he has tools, but the enemy has some tactics. What are his tactics? Here's his tactic. He doesn't come knocking on the front door, no. He's looking for a cracked window or an unlocked door in the back so that he can enter in the wrong way. John 10, verse 1 through 2, Jesus is talking. He says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Very truly, I tell you, church people. Very truly, I tell you, people who love God and are trying to obey God. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the, sheep, enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way. He's a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. In other words, Jesus doesn't have to hide anything. Jesus isn't trying to trick you and get you to do something against your own will. Jesus will patiently wait until you invite him in in order to help you in your life. But the enemy is looking for openings in your life to get in. John 10 verse 10, Jesus goes on to say, Therefore the thief, he only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants you to live life to the full. But we have openings in the spaces of our life. That we leave open, unlocked, and cracked, unsealed. And the enemy just can get in anytime he wants. Because we haven't yet sealed it up. We haven't sealed it up. Uh, Several months ago, we had a huge rainstorm here in in town. And the rain uh, and the wind was blowing and going crazy. And it was pelting directly right against the backside of our house. And we didn't realize it, but there were several windows on the backside of our house where the caulking was not efficient. And all of a sudden the power goes out in our house and my daughter starts screaming, dad, there's water coming in everywhere. I didn't take that moment to lecture her. No, no, we went, we grabbed the towels. We we grabbed our phones, flipped on the lights on our phone. And I started stuffing towels up into her room. It was coming into the kitchen as well. And it was all coming in one side. We just didn't know that we had some cracks around our windows. We didn't know, but it started to cause some damage in our life. And we quickly addressed the errors and the openings that we saw in our, in our house. Friends, today I want to help us to see and to be aware that some of us have been missing some caulk in our lives and the enemy has been slivering in, sliding in, finding the easiest access point into your life to steal from you, to kill you and to destroy your future and so that you don't have life. And he's got you tricked to think that you can't have any way. There's no hope because it's going to keep on raining. And as long as it keeps on raining, you're going to keep getting flooded. But that's not the case, because the, Jesus says we don't have to live ignorant to the enemy's schemes. The enemy is looking for open doors and windows, and that's his tactics. Hear me. The enemy isn't trying to destroy unbelievers. They already belong to him. But the enemy does want to destroy you as a follower of Jesus. He is passionate in pursuing your destruction and demise. Because he wants to get you trapped. He wants to get you where you're influenced by him and oppressed by him. Hear me very clearly. I do not believe that as Christ followers, people who have said yes to Jesus, that you can become demon possessed because you already belong to Jesus. You can't be possessed because possession reveals ownership. And you've been bought with the blood of Jesus. He's already paid the price for you as a believer. And when you said yes to Jesus, Jesus became the owner of, and the ruler, the deed holder of your life. But as as people who follow Jesus, when we open the door to the enemy, we can live attacked, oppressed, influenced by the enemy. What, What are those openings? Let me give you seven of them. Here's an opening. Occult involvement, Ouija boards, seances, trying to contact dead relatives, psychics, horoscopes, tarot cards, the demonic. When we participate in those things, we open ourselves up to the enemy to come in and begin to attach himself to our lives. I hope you never forget this illustration. As I take these clothespins that represent the enemy's attachment to our lives. And then we, we go on and not only a cold involvement, some of us have this thing where we have unforgiveness. Where we have been holding back the enemy and we've been holding on to unforgiveness in our heart. Where we have done something to somebody else and we have yet to tell them that we're sorry. And we withhold forgiveness and it creates an open door for the enemy to attach himself to our lives. And then we have things like willful disobedience where we know the right thing but we simply choose not to do it. And we, we choose to not walk in obedience to God's ways and we sin, we do the wrong thing and we do it again and again and again. And it opens the door and it gives the enemy access to come and attach himself and influence our lives. Some of us have come with inner vows. we had some things happen to us and we swear on our dead relatives' graves that that'll never happen to us again. And we'll never be like so-and-so. And I'll never let that kind of pain and hurt happen to me again. I'll never let anybody abuse me. Let's try that again got to find more flab on my face. Here we go. We'll use another ear. And we make these inner vows or maybe somebody has spoken a curse over us and they've been cursing and condemning our lives. And we've allowed those things to ruminate and we haven't taken care of them. And then, then we get to the point where we open it up again because we have some generational things. Mom and dad struggled with alcoholism divorce runs in our family and a a drug addiction is a thing that people deal with and we we have all of these open doors that begin to take place in our lives and the enemy just starts to attach himself to us because we've opened him up, we've participated in a way we've given him authority and given him the opportunity to come and grab a hold of us in our lives and then we have hurts and trauma that comes in our lives and, and we get hurt somebody lies to us and it breaks our trust and we don't deal with it right We walk through the pain of the loss of a loved one. Somebody has molested us and abused us. And we had to walk through the experience of those things. And they begin to just grab a hold in our hearts. And it hurts. And the pain we never deal with. And we can't believe that our our, our parents gave us up for adoption. And all of the things that we walk through in our lives. And each one of these open doors just open us up for the enemy to grab a hold of our life because he wants to trap you and trap me. And then we start giving the place to fear in our lives, right? We go watch all the scariest movies that we possibly can because why not? It's just for fun. It's not going to hurt anything. But what we don't recognize is that fear is the enemy's main tactic to reach havoc in our lives and we do things to exhilarate ourselves and we think it's no big deal at all but what you're doing is you're opening yourself up to a spirit of fear and it may not manifest in the sense of fear in your life but it opens up a door to to pornography addictions and and, and anger things start showing up in your life and the enemy starts to pollute and collude and, and mess with your life and it's not like you can't show up to church clap your hands, raise your hands And sing to the Lord. Oh, you can do all those things. You can quote all the scriptures that you want to quote. You can stand and play uh, instruments and worship the Lord. and, And you can lead a small group. And you can be a part of everything in your life. And be a godly household. But the enemy still has influence in your life. And pride shows up. And anger you can't get rid of. And all of these things are open doors and we're holding on to resentment and we wonder why we keep getting sick. And we wonder why we're not walking in the freedom and we see God say, I want to give you abundant life, but we're like, that's not for me. That's, I must not be spiritual enough. No, what happened? Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 happened. Paul warns us, don't give the devil any place but we give him place we, we willfully sin again and again become sexually immoral doing things outside of the covenant bounds of marriage and we wonder why life isn't working the way that we thought it would work we wonder why we, we, we don't come to the Lord and do it his way and we don't tithe and we wonder why we're broke and feel broke and we're always behind. You want to know why? It's because your money's cursed still. You're still living in a place where you're not living in the best that God has for you. Why? Because you've opened the door to the things in your life. You keep blaming and you can justify and rationalize and do all of these things but the enemy's coming. And Satan just wants to gain ground and influence in your life and we let him because we're not going to hell. We're going to go to heaven one day. But is this the abundant life that God has for you? Is this living at God's best? No, we are bound. We are trapped. And Jesus alone can set you free. Pastor, how do I know if I'm bound? How do I know if I need to be set free? Let me give you a few things real quick. I take a deep breath because I've only got one one spot air's getting in currently. Do you find yourself consistently sick, little coughs, sniffly noses, headaches all the time? A spirit of infirmity has attached itself, and you need to tell it to go. But you need to discover where you gave it access. Continued illness in your life is an indicator. That the enemy is at work in your life. I'm not saying every time you cough or sneeze, it's a demon. Come on. Let's not go off the deep end and get crazy. But I'm saying continued. You're always sick again and again and again. Every time you talk to somebody, I'm still sick. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. It's likely you've opened the door to the enemy grabbing a hold of your life somewhere, somehow. Continued iniquity. What do I mean by that? You've been dealing with the same sin habits again and again and again. You can't help but lie. Your mouth is still dirty as it's ever been. You can't help but keep getting drunk all the time. Every time you open up the internet, you've got to go clear your browser history and wipe your cash clean because you don't want nobody to see what you've been looking at, where you've been searching, you've been hiding things and lying and you're continuing in sin that you know is sin and you want to break it free, but you don't know how. It's because you're bound and you're pretending like you're not. Listen, James 4, 7 and 8 says this. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. We love to resist the devil. We love to talk about how the devil's attacking us. and We need to pray against his attacks. Listen, God's not going to answer your prayer until you first submit your life. And you submit and you repent and recognize, wait a second, I've opened the door. The enemy is attacking because I opened the door. God can't close that door for you. You got to close the door. You and I have the authority to close those things out in our lives. And it first starts with submitting to God. Freedom begins with humility. Recognizing, uh, this kind of hurts. Recognizing that this isn't God's best. Recognizing that the enemy, because we've opened a door somewhere, the enemy has attached himself to us and he's oppressing us and influencing us. He's changing our voice and we don't sound the same anymore. Why? Because we gave him access. Submit yourselves to God. Then you can resist the devil. John 8, 36 says, So who the Son sets free is free indeed. In other words, Jesus will set you free. All you got to do is ask. Here's the deal, friends. Many believers never get free indeed because they don't believe they can indeed be in bondage. We'll pray and ask God to fix an external and God's like, hey, I'd really like to set you free from, from the other things that have you attached that you, so that it might not, so it, I stop this attack, just know another one's coming and it has every right in because you opened the door to your life. This is the touch point right here. These are the touch points, these pins, touch points where the enemy can have access at any time he wants in our life because we allowed the influence to come in. Friends, today, Jesus can set you free. But it first starts with repentance. Lord, I've been disobedient. Lord, I, I recognize that there are some things that have influenced me, attached themselves to me, things that I've walked through, habits that I can't break. Jesus, I repent. Forgive me. Forgive me. And Jesus set me free. See, because when you first submit yourself to God, freedom is not an issue. Because when you submit yourself to God, you can then resist the devil, and he has no choice but to disengage from those moments life. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to ask that nobody move around. Today, if you're here and you you would be bold enough to say, I've been bound, I've been afflicted, I've had the enemy influencing areas in my life, but I want to be free today. If you're here and you say, I'm ready to be free, would you just stand to your feet quietly? Just stand right where you're at. You know, there's been some things that you've been holding on to, some things that where the enemy has gained access and influence in your life. Nobody's looking around, just you and the Lord. I need to be free. I wanna, be, I wanna walk in the fullness and the full freedom that God has for me. No reason to be shamed at all, because if you're walking in shame and you're sitting and you know you need to stand, that's the enemy trying to keep you bound still. I'm going to ask everybody if you would go ahead and stand to your feet. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to lead us in a real quick prayer, and then I'm going to pray and take authority over the enemy's work, how he's been at work in our lives. And so if you're, you're ready to receive that freedom, I, I, I want to ask that you would just be so bold enough to put your hands out in front of you as just a posture of re- receptivity. Say, Jesus, I'm ready to receive from you. And if this prayer isn't for you and you're walking in freedom and you're all good, then that's all right, that's great. You can just stand there and, and know that the, the Lord's ministering in people's lives. Would you pray this prayer? Everybody pray it with me, and those that are ready for it, just pray it from your heart and mean it. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Son of God, and you have the power to set me free. Today, I repent of all my sins, of the iniquity, of the open doors, and the spaces where the enemy has had access to my life. Jesus set me free. In Jesus name, I pray. I submit to you. And I thank you that you're the Lord in my life. In Jesus name. Now just stand right there. Let me pray over you. Lord, right now. By the authority that you have given to me, I take authority over Satan and I address every demonic spirit that has held my brothers and sisters in bondage. I do this in Jesus name. In his name, I command you to go. Not by my authority, not by the words that I say, but by the authority of Jesus Christ. I declare them free. My brothers and sisters are covered by the blood of the lamb. They've overcome by the word of their testimony and believe in Jesus Christ. They are born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever. The word of God is living. It's active, sharper than any two edged sword. It's sweeter than honey and purer than gold. And in the name of Jesus, by the word of God and by the blood of the lamb, my brothers and my sisters today are set free. I take authority over every spirit of bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment or hate, or malice, or envy, or jealousy, and I command you to go in Jesus' name. I rebuke every spirit of insecurity, of inferiority, of fear, of rejection, of self-hate, of self-pity, of self-destruction in Jesus' name. Suicide, you go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of anger, or rage, or murder, or violence, or lawlessness, I command you in the name of Jesus to go. Every spirit of sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, lust, pornography, and all forms of sexual impurity. In the name of Jesus, I command you right now to go. Every spirit of pride or lying, every Jezebel spirit, every spirit of deception, manipulation, or control, I command you in the name of Jesus to go. Every spirit of criticism, judgmentalism, arrogance, prejudice, Racism. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of greed, materialism, selfishness, covetousness, selfish ambition. In Jesus' name, you must go. Depression, anxiety, worry. In Jesus' name, I command you to go. Minds set free in Jesus' name. Addiction alcoholism, drunkenness, drugs, gluttony. In Jesus' name, I command you to go by the power of Christ. Every spirit of legalism or religious pride, heresy, false doctrine, in Jesus' name, you have to go. Every spirit of stealing or softfulness or laziness, unbelief, rebellion, in authority, I command you in Jesus' name to go. Every spirit of guilt, shame, embarrassment, humiliation, you have to go. Spirit of sickness, disease, infirmity chronic health issues. In Jesus name, you must go. Every spirit of witchcraft, occult or blasphemy in Jesus name, you must go in the name of Jesus. I break every word, every curse, every spell, every agreement, every generational curse, everything that has demonically tried to bind us, hold us back. Every evil spirit that has held my brothers and sisters in bondage. I pray in the authority of Jesus and by his blood, you must Go and we declare right now, Jesus, you set us free. We are free indeed. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Let's thank the Lord.